Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased today to introduce you to Dr. Linda Edgar. Linda is currently on the ADA National Board representing the 11th District. She graduated from the University of Washington with a pre-med degree in zoology and an additional degree in science education, getting her master's in education in 1971. Since 1973, she's been married to Brian Edgar, a fellow dentist, who is instrumental in encouraging her to go to dental school. In 1988, Brian brought home a dental school application when her son was 11 and encouraged her to apply. She only applied to the University of Washington and was fortunate enough to get in. Linda has been involved in organized dentistry since she graduated, holding all offices in the Washington Academy of General Dentistry, starting the first master track program and helping dentists in Washington State get their FAGD and MAGD from the AGD, which is the Academy of General Dentistry. She also serves as the AGD trustee on the national AGD and four years on the national AGD secretary, followed by the AGD national presidency from 2011 to 2014 as the second woman to hope be president of AGD in its 60 year history. She has a passion for education and helping dental students serving in the 2020 concurrently as the ASDA and ADA council of membership liaison and helping get the DL Oski accepted at the University of Washington for licensure. She's a voracious reader with a thirst for learning, having read and summarized over 200 leadership books to help her in her roles. It is indeed my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Dr. Linda Edgar. Linda, thank you so much for being with me today. I am so appreciative of you taking the time. I know we're on opposite coasts of the country and that it's right smack in the middle of your day, but I really appreciate your time and commitment to being on the show. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like I do with all of my guests, I would really like for you to start by sharing a little bit about your story, how you got into dentistry, what you've done in the profession, and then where you are today and what your plans are for, you know, the immediate future, maybe talk a little bit how COVID-19 has affected you and all that kind of stuff. So without any further ado, take the floor. Well, I had a, a a bit of an unusual path into dentistry. I it kind of goes back to my husband and I. We got married young. We he was wanted to be a dentist. He knew he wanted to be a dentist from the time he was in seventh grade. I wanted to be an MD. I wanted to be an OBGYN, and so that was kind of my goal all through school. And of course, I was told back in the 70s that women weren't strong enough to be doctors, uh, that you really should leave it up to the men to do that kind of work. So I went through, I still went through uh, college. Brian and I were both at the University of Washington for undergrad, and we got married his second year in dental school. And I was uh, taking, he's a year ahead of me, I was taking the uh, prereqs for, you know, medical dental I got a zoology degree, got a teaching degree, got my master's in teaching. So we got married and we didn't have enough money 
for both of us to go, and at least we chose for both of us to not go into professional school. So I taught, I got a teaching job and taught junior high, <laughs> which was interesting, to help put him through school. And he got on an army scholarship, and then we got transferred to Kansas, at, where he was doing his residency. And then I was gonna come back and, and go to dental school uh, right after that. So you changed your mind from medicine to dentistry? Yeah, and I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. So I, unfortunately, uh, I got pregnant when Brian was a senior and I had a tubal pregnancy, so I lost oh. the baby. And uh, then we moved to Kansas and nine months later, I had a second tubal pregnancy. Oh. And so I couldn't have any kids. Both tubes were blown out. And, and that's when, you know, he had graduated and I put my full force into, I took both the MCAT and the, the dental aptitude tests and everything. And, and I actually got, got into dental school. And around April, um, a lady uh, showed up at Brian's residency program hospital and wanted to give up her baby. We had not even applied to you know, adopt. So basically my life, you know, life happens when you're making other plans or whatever that comment is. And so I, I made a choice. It was 1976. It was in an era where there weren't very many women in dental school and none of them had babies. I mean, back then now, of course, people are having babies when they're doing their exams. But uh, so I had to make a choice uh, because this doesn't come along very often. So I decided to, we decided to adopt. We moved back to Seattle. Brian started his practice. I got lucky and got asked to do another teaching job. And when my son was 11, I was head of my chemistry department teaching high school at the time. Brian brought a dental school application home and said, remember when you were going to go to dental school? I don't know if you knew this story about me. I didn't. Yeah, I was 37. And that was another question mark. Do they let you in when you're 37? What's the positive and negative? So I met with the dean, and it just so happens that the dean of the University of Washington School wife had the same trajectory. She went to school late, and it was then an orthodontist. So he was very encouraging. I had a master's by that time in education. I had a zillion credits. So we basically, I only applied to the University of Washington because I, I couldn't go out of state and leave my son. And uh, just so happened that I had also been a runner, uh, a national class runner throughout those years, had uh, run the Olympic trials marathon. And when I had my interview, the guy that was interviewing me was starting a running program. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So he was very interested in how to do workouts. And I don't know that that's the reason I got in, but uh, it didn't hurt. So a month later, I got a call saying I had gotten in. I mean, that's kind of the short version of, of the story. And of course, then I had to make a decision. Do I just take a leave of absence from my teaching job or do I cut the cord and go for it? You know, so... Brian said, you need to cut the cord because you may quit otherwise. <laughs> Dental school is pretty hard. So I lived at home. It was an hour away. I had an 11-year-old. We were taking care of Brian's older brother, who was manic depressive, and my mother-in-law had just had a stroke. 
So I had my plate very full in dental school. And then, of course, the first lab experience, you know, your alphabetical order. And on one side of me was a guy who had done lab work in his father's office his whole life. And on the other side of me was a guy who had done jewelry. And so, of course, my wax ups, you know, I felt like a failure from day one. Every, every week, I uh, felt like I couldn't do, you know, the job. But I made it through and, you know, it was harder probably because I had the other responsibilities. I was class secretary. I was always the organizer. I was class psychologist for all the people that were going through divorces. Oh, my and then in my third year, 1991, when we were taking one of those practical exams, we do, I'll never forget it. I was in the middle of the prep and I got a call from Brian, my husband. Never called me during the day because he knew, you know, that you just don't, can't come to the phone. So I knew it was important, went to the phone. He had gotten called up for Desert Storm and was leaving the next day. So I just started shaking because we had a practice that he was running. I was not licensed yet. And my whole world was, you know, falling apart. So we uh, figured that out and I helped run the practice. We hired another dentist. I took over all the bills and tried to do my, the rest of my third year and my fourth year while he was gone. Thank goodness that war was a short one. We didn't know, you know, when he left. And he was back, you know, by the time I graduated. But that was, you know, upheavaled. And when I meet with the dental school, the dental students, I'm actually the ASDA liaison as well as the membership council liaison this year. And when I meet with the dental students and I sit and I listen to their stressors and them talking about how stressful dental school is. And, and I, I get that because everybody has their stuff that hits them while they're in dental school. And I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm, you know, I work really hard. That's probably been my best thing. But I mean, there were weeks when I just didn't feel like I could take, you know, one more test, one more whatever. And I did, I did well. I wasn't first in my class or anything like that, but I, I did well and I graduated. And of course, I had my husband, who every time I wanted to quit, said, uh, Get back in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Get up, finish the deal. And the running background I'd had, I'd done 45 marathons. And I think that had really helped me have the, I don't know, stick to Because in the middle of a marathon, it's the same way. You know, you feel like you can't go any further. And then once you finish, you just feel phenomenal about it. So I basically went into practice with Brian. We had, uh, we expanded our office to 10 chairs. We had about 15 staff, wonderful staff. Uh, practically my whole career, I've had my staff behind me. And I got, Brian was very involved in organized dentistry from day one. I wasn't really that interested. And he kind of pulled me along to get on the Washington State uh, Academy of Gen General Dentistry board. So I started out my senior year as the liaison uh, for that. Uh, developed some programs, hands-on programs for free for the dental students that we put on through AGD. 
when I got out, I started a master track program so people could get their masterships and fellowships. I was the youngest dentist, so felt my first comment was, I'm going to learn a lot from you guys because I'm just starting and you're in the middle of your career. And that's one of the things I think is so important right, when, right from the get-go, that you get out into a group with people that you can just spill it, you know. I don't care. People that say they never have a problem in practice or they never have a problem in dental school are lying because it's not an easy profession, but it's a rewarding profession. And so from that, I you know did all the offices for AGD in the state while my husband was doing ADA. And we kind of had to take turns because you know people don't really like you to do it together. And then um, I ran for the AGD board in 2005. So I was a trustee there. And then I ran for secretary two years in. And that was really my skill set. I'm very good at taking a lot of information and culling it down to make it you know, people be able to understand it. Digestible. Yeah. And I, I'm a good communicator. I like to be sure everybody knows, you know, what's happening. I think that's really important. And I, I was very satisfied with just being secretary. I ran, uh, it's two year term. I ran twice, uh, one, both, um, both times. At the same time, I was Seattle King County president as I was AGD secretary. And I've always felt that both organizations should help each other. I believe the strength of our profession is in education and advocacy and helping each other. Not everybody feels that way, unfortunately. The AGD pushes you to be the best dentist you can be by continuing your education and taking courses. I, I probably took 300 credits a year the first couple of years out because it was so important to keep your skills growing. And we ended up in our practice, we did just about everything. I mean, I learned to do ortho in 1995. I did that for 25 years, even though as a general dentist, we did full, you know, third molar surgeries. We, we left the uh, maxofacial complicated stuff, obviously, to the specialists. But it was a great experience, a great supportive experience. And then once I got done with my, I was finished with Seattle King. I had done a lot of things in the ADA realm. And we were working, you know, with mid-level providers in that era, which we're still working on. And I was encouraged to run for AGD president. And there had been uh, one woman president. She ran unopposed. It was kind of that she was unique, very good person. And I was encouraged to run and somebody decided to run against me, a, a man from the East Coast, I won't say who. And so it was a little scary. I was, um, it was a difficult election. It was kind of like being in dental school, wanting to quit every week because of the, sometimes people will <clears throat> say things about you that aren't true or will, you know. Just to deflect. Right. Yeah. Just to deflect. I mean, I'd done a lot. We both were very, very equal on what we'd done. We'd both worked with the dental schools. Brian and I, during our trajectory, were the chairs of the University of Washington campaign, $22 million campaign under Martha Summerman, who you probably know from 
um, NIDCR and you know we'd and he'd done a lot of that too so and I, I it's hard to run against people you've been friends with you know because but anyway I ended up winning and as a woman president I think I did a good job of continuing the communication and you know just making sure people knew what was going on and we my goal was to get a above raise our membership by 4,000 and we did that that year. So then Brian was finally done with his board <laughs> involvement and his ADA involvement on, on the ADA Washington State Dental Association and he encouraged me to run for that board. So I did and then he had been uh, involved his whole life I mean in organized dentistry. He'd been a board examiner, he'd been on councils, he'd just done everything. He'd never been a national officer, but he'd done a lot for dentistry. And he was, you know, gonna run for ADA trustee. So I'm in Hawaii. We're working on a flip house. This is something we do in our spare time. And he calls me and he says, Linda, I've decided not to run for trustee. And I said, oh, that's too bad. You've been working, you know, for years to do this. And there were two other guys that were running, an orthodontist and another dentist who'd done a lot. General Dennis, and both who we knew very well. And he said, but I think you should run. <laughs> so, this was not one of my, you know, I'm not the kind of person that has always wanted to do this my whole life. It's just, it's like life happens and doors open. And, and I thought, well, you know, I've done a lot. Why not me? You know, I'll give it a shot. And uh, so I worked very hard. I got a brochure together with all that I'd done. And and I won on the first ballot. Um, and again, it was friends, you know, you're running against people that are friends, so it's, it makes it hard. So I've been a trustee for a couple of years for the ADA. This is my second year through the COVID. <laughs> and we've been working very hard for Dennis. Uh, we probably have calls. At the beginning, we were having board calls every other day. And even today, I have a call this afternoon. So. We feel like in, in just a few weeks, we've put out some pretty amazing help for general dentists, you know. And that you have. I know firsthand, you know, a lot of the information that I'm getting out to my team is, is coming from the ADA. Yeah. And I mean, the states are doing a great job, too. We, we've These calls we've been having every Tuesday with the executive directors are phenomenal. Chad Gahani has been working 24-7 he can't be thanked enough for his leadership. Yeah. And I don't know what the future's gonna bring yet. I gotta, I'm, I'm sort of concentrating on this four years and I feel very honored. There are only, um, let's see, there are four women on the board right now out of 17 trustees. After this year, there will be three. Uh, and after next year, there will be two because we don't have any more women coming in to the new classes yet. So the next two groups after you don't have any women? As far as I, uh, the, the group that came in this year has no women, and I don't think the group that is coming in the following year has any women. And we want women. Of course we do. Of course <laughs> you know, we do. It's tough to run, you know, because you have to really spend your life building the background to be able to make the decisions at the national level. You know, I know people want 
the real young dentists to be on the, some people say they, they should be on the, on the ADA board, but I realize now some of the decisions you have to have had multiple years of practice experience and organized dentistry experience to really make the hard decisions. Sure. So are you at this point practicing dentistry at all? I am still doing some ortho cases, uh, finishing those up. We, <laughs> the guy that I beat for trustee actually bought our practice. He can't, I actually, um, in 2015, I was taking care of my mom flying to the East coast every couple of weeks. And, uh, I contracted lip cancer, oral Ooh. cancer. And this was in 2015. Um, anyway, I, Brian had been in practice for 40 some years and I had contracted lip cancer and Brian was running for AD, uh, Washington state president. And he got up on the podium and he says, if I'm going to do as good a job as the president before me, because he was retired, I'll have to sell my practice. So this guy that um, I had run against, he got up and he, uh, he came and asked me, are you guys interested in selling? And we hadn't really been looking, but both of us, I've, I've only been in practice for 30 years, which is a long time, but, but I wasn't really ready to not practice. So what I've been doing is practicing some in the practice and some, you know, with the, the ADA schedule, it's, it's tough to say, yes, I can give you Tuesdays because the meetings are all over the place. So, um, I'm not practicing full-time, which has been perfect. I don't know how the dentists that are on this board that have started back to work are spending the time. I'm on the, I'm on the, well, I have five states in my district. So as you have many states in your district, so it's busy. Uh, but so no, I'm not practicing full-time, but I still am practicing. Which is great, which is great. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit more about your leadership role at the ADA, and you can talk too also about your experience at AGD. You know, both are phenomenal accomplishments for anyone, never mind, you know, a woman, but for any perspective, it's a phenomenal accomplishment because not easy to do to lead, you know, be a leader in two national organizations and lead one national organization. I, I I am sure that at some point you will consider doing the presidency at the ADA as well. So I, you know, we'll see what the next two years bring. But, you know, I mean, seriously, if, if there are not that many women, you know, we need to be leading the way for the younger generation. And I don't know if you know this, and I'm not sure what Washington's stats are. But at Tufts, we have 63% females coming in in our next year at class. And so that's the highest it has ever been. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting. And, and not that I, I feel in any way, shape, or form that we want to sideline men, but it's just nice to finally see more females, you know, taking on professional roles and professional responsibilities. It can be done. And, you know, you grew up in a time, I grew up in a time when, no, dear, you want to be the hygienist. No, I don't want to be the hygienist. I know the difference between a hygienist and a dentist. I want to be the dentist. And I was told I wasn't smart enough just to shut me up, you know? So I do think they look to us to lead the way because, you know, you more than I did, you know, went through a really difficult time being, you know, older, 
you know, starting back at a, a later age, I mean, with a 11 year old son, I mean, it's amazing that, that you got through it. Well, my husband, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, he encouraged me to run for trustee. I mean, how many husbands would do that step aside for something he's wanted to do, but he knows that how hard I work. And I, I guess that's, and the other thing that you have to do as a leader, it really frustrates me. I've come up with a few ideas for the ADA that I'm still not letting go of, that I can't tell you about yet, but to help dentists and their practices. And like the ADAPT program, I think is a great program. My comment was, why don't we open it up to the United States? Because there may be people that graduate from the University of Washington, but they want to work in Maine, you know, and, and that right now that's not a possibility uh, because of the way it's patterned. And so they're looking to do that now. You have to, and the, you know, the thing you were talking about, about confidence. I think the longer you live and the more times you maybe fall down, but get back up and accomplish that thing that you were maybe not feeling like you had accomplished before, the more confidence you build. And I know that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I mean, in the running, I started out at 10 minute miles and I finished my career in 88, basically running races because I got injured running 615 pace for the marathon. Because you put in the work, you know, it's the work. It's like you see with your students. It's those kids that, you know, maybe aren't perfect, but they keep working at it. I mean, they're in that lab doing those preps over and over again. You know, you're, you're taking CE, you're working hard. And as a leader, I try to tell people, like when I was sitting in on the membership council and we were talking about women dentists and how it's important this, and I made the comment, which I think was taken, taken wrong. I don't want to be known as a woman dentist. I want to be known as a dentist. That's correct. And, and I, a lot of people took that kind of offensively. I don't mean that we don't want to give women the things, women dentists, the things that they need in support groups or articles with pregnancy and all of that. I just want to be known and even when you're running for an office, don't look at me as a look at me as a candidate, and 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 look at me from my experience. From my experience, and that's really what's happening now. What I've had the privilege over the last since 2010, probably close to the last 10 years, to I was able to go to all the ASDA leadership conferences and to watch that progression of the number of women change, you know, increase was so exciting. I have to tell you, when I was president of AGD, we met with ASDA at that time, that was in 2013-14. We met with them on in DC to do the lobby day. Now they meet with ADA. And that's thanks to Jeff Cole. But um, anyway, we met with them and, and somebody said, oh, we have a private tour of the Capitol. You know, we're gonna have the ASDA leaders come. And I thought, oh, good, it's going to be me and men, a bunch of men. 18 out of the 20 people that came were women. And, you know, Colleen Green, I mean, some of the amazing presidents that have been elected from ASDA this year, they elected two out of the three officers were, were women. 
And when I watched them, I was at their meeting this year as, as the liaison, when I watched them get up, they don't look at each other, whether it's gender or race or anything, they look at each other as equal. We're all dentists, we're all in this together, we're supporting each other. And what Nancy Honeycutt has done with that group is phenomenal. I mean, so they really do pattern what our profession needs to look to do, I think you know, in the future. Well, especially in this day and age, you know, and especially with what's happened recently, you know, the bias, it exists in all areas of our life, doesn't it? And, you know, you're right. I don't want to be known as the female dentist or the female dean or, you know, whatever. I want to just be known for what I do and, and the work that I put in and if I've done a good job. And I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I wish... I wish we could get beyond the bias, but it still does exist. I see it still to this day um, myself, and I know you do as well. So, you know, it's it's a challenge, but I do believe that my daughter's generation, maybe you see it with your son, that the men in that generation are very different, very supportive. They've seen their mom's work. They've seen they've seen examples of women in leadership roles and they're extremely respectful of that. And I see my son-in-law, what he does as a dad versus what my, my daughter does as a mom, it's pretty equal. Um, they share responsibility for their son. He couldn't be happier that he's having another baby and that they're having a girl, you know, all of those things piled together makes me so proud to see what this generation could potentially do to kind of eliminate all of that. I really, finally, once and for all. Now, if we could just, you know, get rid of the, not get rid of, but at least figure out how to heal the lack of understanding between African-Americans and whites, that would be a huge thing. And it has to be intentional. I mean, you have to, you know, I've been trying, we, we had a African-American ethics chair actually from our district um, the last, uh, the last go around and he was phenomenal. And what you have to be intentional to encourage those people to say, just like with women, when I was coming up, if not me, then who, you know, why not me? I mean, why not? I mean, when I was wanting to go to medical school, I was told I wasn't strong enough to be a doctor by my doctor. Why don't you just, you know, do this or be a nurse? And, and I just wasn't satisfied with that. I was too much. I, I know making a difference, you know, making a difference, being in a position like you are as Dean, what you do every day with those students is making a difference for this world, making them feel empowered that they're going to do a good job and they're going to take over this profession. And the protection, my dad was Coast Guard. He was a rescue pilot. And he, in the end, was an admiral. And he was the protector of the lower side of the East Coast from Virginia down. And that's really what we need to be as leaders. We need to be protectors of this profession and instill the importance of that into our new generation, whether they're men or women, that we all need to take part in that. And that's why organized dentistry, you know, is so important to support. Without a doubt. So who do you think um, has given you the best single piece of advice in your career? 
Well, um, I think probably my husband has been my biggest supporter. He sure sounds like it. He sounds like an amazing man, like in before his time. I mean, some, you know, we've been married, we've been married 47 years and um, next week. And so, you know, he's, when I was a runner, I, you know, he was Linda Edgar's husband because I had so much, no, and he didn't mind that. And it takes a big guy, a big man to, to help. I keep going back to this trustee thing and how he said, but I think you should do it. And that was the furthest thing from my mind at that point. And I've done it. You know, I got elected. I feel like I bring a perspective that others don't have to the board. I am very much a listener. You wouldn't know that today, but but I I always try to have listen to what other people say before I put myself in the queue because sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes the best thing to do is not to make a comment, you know, but encourage others to do that. I much prefer putting people in a light, shining a light on them. And if you read, I'm a big reader, I guess the other People that encourage me are all the Maxwells and all the people that talk about, you know, characteristics of leaders. When I got elected as AGD secretary, I felt very like I needed to learn more. And I, have you heard of the book, um, Now Discover Your Strengths? No, no. It's that's a, a great good book. I would encourage you as a dean to have your, your students if you buy the book in the back, there's an online test and there's 34 strengths that we all have. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to move toward our strengths, not toward our weaknesses and things like um, achiever, maximizer, connector, motivator. Those are the types of strengths. You take this test and it comes out and it tells you what your five strengths are well as a former science person i didn't trust one test so i took it three times you know, <laughs> it would come out the same and it did and that that test and there's another book they're all in the airport um if you go to the airport now discover your strengths and there's one on emotional intelligence and that i think that dental schools need to to look at emotional intelligence when they let people in because without a doubt yeah you know being able to read people and how they're really feeling like on the board if if the discussion gets tense and i will tell you it's been tense this year because there's big decisions you ha and you can't read that on an online on a zoom call you can't talk it to each other in between and and the emotional intelligence part as a leader. And when I was a leader at AGD, I like to think I, I really encouraged those silent people, those people that didn't talk to. So, so what do you think about this? Or give what Chad has done this year is uh, we have these lightning rods where we talk about what's going on in the districts. It's very helpful. Then he has every trustee contribute and he, he starts alphabetically and then we'll go reverse alphabetically. So, you know, you don't have that same pressure. So there's, so books have been very encouraging to me. My husband, my dad, you know, I mean, I was, I had two brothers, very different. My older brother's a writer. He's written 45 books. My younger brother is a guitar player, <laughs> you know, so, and he was very encouraging. He died early of cancer, but at 74 but he 
he'd never looked at me as a girl, you know, that, and my mom, of course, you know, was, so getting a support group around you, my assistants, when I was running for AGD, I got to tell you, when I was running for that office, the things that were said to try to get other, you know, that weren't true. I mean, she would write me little positive notes. You can do it, you know, and all of this. And so if you have a support group around you that builds you up when you have those tough days, and you will, everybody has them. We all do. Without a doubt. So, you know, it sounds like your family, your husband in particular, helped you to get to where you are today, that your your father obviously had a senior leadership role, your husband you know, even though, you know, he went to professional school, he never forgot that that was something that you wanted to do. I mean, how amazing is that to be surrounded by so many men? Now, you know, in interviewing other women that have gone through dental school, some of the comments that come back from the male instructors when a female would be in a class would be very interesting. So I won't, I won't share anything directly about what was said, but I think that it would be interesting to hear if you experienced any of that while you were going through school. Well, it was interesting because, you know, I was older. I mean, I was 37 when I was in dental school and I didn't take any crap. There you go. I got to tell you, I had one guy, I came in, I wanted to do two onlays in a, you know, two hour session or however long it was. And he said, no, you won't be able to do that. And I said, watch me. And of course, that was the time when the assistant sucks up the temporary, when we were making temporaries. And so, but we did get it done in time. And I actually went to the dean and I told him, you know, that this guy should not be an instructor in dental school. You should be encouraging people to be quicker and faster and better, not, you know, putting them down saying you can't do this and I've, I've used that term a lot when people in dental school a lot of the instructors were they were a little older than me but some were you know similar in age and I think that it was good that I was able to I, I wasn't intimidated by them I mean I had friends that were dentists so in fact, when I took the boards, it was very stressful because what if I don't pass the boards? <laughs> it's going to be embarrassing, but I did. But anyway, um, you know, it, yeah, I don't know that it's happening as much now, is it? I mean, with- I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think that, you know, everyone is very respectful of everyone that's that's there. Yeah, it was mostly the older people that probably shouldn't have been teaching anyway, to be honest. Right. What do you think is the biggest obstacle you've overcome in your life and that makes you proud? Okay, well, this doesn't have to do with dentistry, but when I was, when I was a runner, uh, 1984 was the first woman's Olympic trials marathon. And the trials was going to be in our state. You had to run a qualifying time within the year before the trials date, which was in May. So you had to run... It, within that year, you had to run under a 250 marathon. And I had run 15, 20 marathons under that time in my career. And I got injured the day before the year that... The, so, so what you got here is I, I'm one of five women in the state 
that could possibly qualify. It was a big deal because it was in our state. It's the first women's marathon trials. You're in the paper, lots of pressure. So I kept going back and trying to do another marathon and trying to, you know, make it. And I finally just decided. So for six months, I kept getting re-injured, my Achilles. And so in January, I took from January, February off to heal. And there was one marathon. It was a Seattle marathon that I could uh, use to qualify. And I did that. It was, I never forget, it was like St. Patrick's Day, March something. And I had to qualify for that to run in the May Olympic trials. And I was on pace and hit the wall at about 20 miles. And this woman came in. I don't know her to this day and started running with me. And I remember literally I didn't have enough energy to hold my head up. And I crossed that finish line in fifth place in a let's see the qualifying time was 25116. I did a 25059. And you would have thought oh the the crowd you know because they knew they were rooting for me because these are my people you know and, and this is a big marathon it's thousands of people and they cheered like you so that for me i dug deeper i don't think i've ever dug that deep in a race and that for me helps me when i get into things you know i have this saying it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't know what you can't do. I hope that makes sense. No, I know. I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I was ready to quit at 20. I mean, because I, I didn't have the background training. I'd given up training for two months. That's huge when you're in marathon training. And so, yeah, so making that, you know, accomplishing that was a big deal. So you don't know who this woman was? No appeared out of nowhere and then like she, an angel i mean <laughs> and she disappeared afterwards disappeared afterwards and she was good she was running a six something pace you know so she was good i it was i don't wow. know i mean it's just kind of like how we adopted my son and i have tremendous faith that when bad things happen that's a setup for something really good down the road just look for the good you know, when you have a patient in your office that you've broken a root tip on or you've broken a file on, you know, for endo or, or that just got mad at you for no reason, which will happen no matter how good you are. You just have to go, take a deep breath and go, I'm doing the best I can with what I have, which is a lot. You know, people don't graduate not being good dentists and continuing to learn. And so that for me, just getting up every time you fall. You know, there's a poem that I, I was a, a cross country coach when I was a teacher and I was a big runner at the time. So I would run with the kids on their, their workouts. And there's a, a poem called The Race. Oh, I've read it. I've read it. Yeah. Get up each time about the kid that keeps falling. He comes in last and get up each time you fall. And I, I read that to my, um, I gave a lot of talks when I was a coach because I was a marathon runner and stuff. And, and I would read that and because we all have that in our life. We have crap happen, you know, <laughs> that you have to get over. So 
It's so true. So when you reflect back, would you describe yourself as a confident woman or did you gain confidence as you went? I think I gained confidence. I think every time you sort of get accomplished something, you know, you do that good procedure, your patient is really happy with whatever you've done for them. You've made a difference in somebody's life, you know, as a teacher, getting a, a child to be able to do the math, whatever. You gain confidence from not only achieving things, but doing things you didn't think you could do. And I still have days when I, you know, I'm not confident about a decision or well, why did I say that at the board meeting or, you know, I mean, we all have those days, but you do the best you can with what you have. And one other uh, thing I used to tell my staff when they would get discouraged or something about whatever, something in their life, I'd say in the big picture of life, in the big picture of life, this is a very little thing. Try getting cancer. Yep, it's a it's a, a drop of water in a puddle of life, right? Yeah. Yep. Is there anyone in dentistry today who really inspires you? In dentistry, oh, I love Maxine Feinberg. She is just, you know, she tells it like it is. She's I'm on the FDI delegation, and she's our our chair this year, and. I just appreciate people like that that are down. I love you. I mean, you you know, at the membership council meeting, you just say it like it is, you know, you just, you're not afraid to, you know, talk about the elephant in the room. And I'm like that. I, and it makes me more like that because you are, you know, don't talk around an issue. Let's get it. Let's get it out on the table and fix, you know, fix it. Let's hash it out and, and get it done with and, and move on. Because <laughs> there's so many other things to do, right? It's so true. I, I think that, you know, um, a lot of younger women, you know, resist speaking out or, or being direct. And I think that in general, people appreciate when you're direct. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But I think that in general, most people appreciate when you're direct because you never have to worry about you know, well, what is she thinking? You know, like, you don't care what she's thinking because you know she's going to tell you, right? Exactly. I mean, you're, you're authentic. You know, you're, you don't have to, you know, you, you don't waffle on how you feel. But there are times when people will talk to me. Like I said, there's a book called Getting to Yes. Yeah, that's a great book. You read that. So, you know, ask for people. It's just like we're having some issues with some of the councils. And I said, well, why don't you just have a conversation? Ask them, don't tell them what to do. Ask them their opinion and why they feel the way. And then tell them why you feel the way you do. Don't just slam them on why. Well, and directing traffic is no way to resolve something, right? Having a two-way conversation is how you resolve an issue. If there's an issue, let's get it on the table and let's, let's hash it out and, and resolve it. Right. And with your staff, I mean, it's the same. You know, I, I always say, you know, if you have something happens in the operatory and you're not happy with what a staff person does, you never, ever, ever put them down in front of the patient. But don't wait until the next day to mull over it. Meet with them and talk to them, but have them able to give their, you know, their part of the story. So that's worked for me. Tell us one thing that people would be surprised to know about you. 
surprised to know about me. Well, the marathon, I mean, because I'm not skinny anymore, <laughs> would be very surprising. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I don't look like uh, a president, really. Um, uh, okay, come on now. Now, what does a president look like, right? Come on. I don't know. Um, some people are surprised when they find out, you know, where you're at. Um, I mean, my grandmother, which I love, yeah. Best job ever. Best job ever, yeah. It sure is. It's one of the best pleasures in life. What's your favorite way to relieve stress? Well, I used to run, but now I walk. I walk almost every day. I'm trying to get time, really make time in my day to do that for a few years. I, when I got injured, I injured my right meniscus, and I had two, um, two surgeries. I did two Ironman after uh, dental school, and... I wasn't good enough to, you know, do the six-minute pace in the marathon, but but I did do two Ironman when I was 45. I guess that's a surprising thing, but I can't run. And the doctor said if you want to walk, you know, don't run. But I don't, I still have my own knees. That's surprising too. That is surprising. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. I know. I I've decided. Um, I used to run a lot, and about five years ago, I said to my running partner, and we've been running and walking 30 years together. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to walk, you run, and our pace is about the same. So it's kind of a, a hoot. And I said, but I want to keep my knees until I'm 100. So, you know, you want to keep going through your knees, that's fine, but I'm going to keep mine until I'm 100. So, you know, it's just, it. you have to make that decision. Is there a personal motto, a mantra that you live by? Just never give up, I think, is probably, and then that little statement I said it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't know what you can't do so don't put the limits on yourself don't tell me don't tell me something's impossible right because I'm just going to prove you wrong I've got to so watch me <laughs> watch me <laughs> exactly exactly do you have a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you'd like to share with the audience well I love to eat <laughs> Now that I'm not running. I don't think any one of us could argue with that. I mean, what is wrong with good food, good company, good wine? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and they, they talk about the trustee, the freshman 15 or whatever. Well, I haven't gained any weight. I've been very careful since I've been on the board, but it's, it's tough, I got to tell you. But I can't really talk about one of the dreams yet, but... Um, I want to see my grandchildren, my two girls, they're two girls. I want to see them grow up and do anything they want to do. Not be, you know, like some of us were kind of pushed down with a thumb and told you can't do that. And having me as a grandma is going to. Well, shows great leadership right there. And are they close by so you get a chance to see them? Well, you're not going to believe this, but they uh, sold their house in a day a year ago, and they asked if they could live with us for a year and save money to buy a, a house. So we actually have my son and my daughter-in-law and my two young grandchildren uh, living in our home, and we're gone so much. It's worked out well, and they just bought a house on the water. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, so that's worked out well. And the, through the COVID, we were actually stuck in Kona. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. Oh, twist my arm. 
Kona, we have a condo in Kona that we rent and we had flown there for a week in between meetings to get it ready. And this was in March, right after the ASDA meeting and boom, you know, everything started spiking. So we called our renter and said, we don't think you should come. And then they closed the airport. so we could. And then you couldn't get out. So we couldn't get out. So we just got home in May. We were there for two and a half months. Wow. So my nine o'clock Chicago board meetings were at 4 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my goodness. I actually had a call with somebody who was in uh, Hawaii, and it was fairly early, too, for the same reason. And uh, I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're in Hawaii? And she said, yeah, I got stuck here. I can't get back. So same thing. Very same thing. Well, Linda, you know, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. You know, you inspire me. Um, I will just have to tell you that the first moment I heard you start talking at the board meeting and, you know, how we were going through the budget and you understanding finances and all of that kind of stuff. You know, it just, you impressed me from the moment I met you. And, and I am so honored that you, you took the time to be here. And thank you for inspiring younger women and, and for what you're doing to lead the way for the rest of us. I, I just want you to know that I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you doing this. It means a lot for everybody. Well, I, I hope so. I hope that, you know, I hope that we can all inspire each other, right? And that we work collectively to, you know, lend a hand, reach out to somebody that might be struggling, another female that might be struggling to give them a boost forward, uh, you know, no matter what they do in the office, whether it's assistant or, because I've been in, in interviewing leaders in industry, you know, assistants, dental hygienists, you know, front office staff, you know, because we're all in this, we are all in this together, right? And, and I do think we as, as women have to support one another. And there's always more that you can do if you choose to, right? But some people don't believe they have the capability. But, you know, I, I hope we can show them that, that you do and, and anything is possible. I believe that. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> I truly do. Well, thank you so much, Linda. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.